A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You lucky, lucky, lucky swine. Lucky. Very lucky. You're lucky yeah. because you've got you've got through to the final round. This is the last episode of chatting shit you've of this won. series. You've won. You've yeah. won. You've won the yeah. prize of this week's guest, man like Alchemist. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a it's a classic episode. Oh yeah, jobs are good one, boy. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Now, we spoke for about how long did we speak for? About three hours. About f- yeah, three three and a half. Yeah, about three and a half. Solid, hours. solid yeah. three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I started getting a bit overexcited. Natty Wines got involved. Yeah. Started drinking a lot and sort of didn't clock that my mic wasn't properly plugged in after <laughs> for about the last for about the last hour. So yeah. there's a few bits missing in this. We haven't got where he told us his favourite sandwich, which is almost the best bit in each show, really, isn't it? Yeah, but you can see his he does make his favourite sandwich in an episode of Fuck That's Delicious. Perfect. So yeah, if you yeah. really want to know. Yeah. Watch Fuck That's Delicious. Yeah, watch Fuck That's Delicious. And also, there's we haven't... Have we got the bit where he said best mates? Yeah, we've got that bit, of course. Yeah, yeah. of course. That goes without, that goes without saying, well. saying, yeah. There's also a bit that um, Action Bronson actually called him up and um, there's a painfully awkward moment where the Zooms were freezing and we couldn't really say hello properly. Yeah, it was kind of but, good because it was awkward. Yeah, but but, so, but just so you know, actually... Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the type of evenings we have, really, isn't it? It's chilling. Yeah, just sort of freeze up around people that we really If anything, like. I wanted it deleted. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's my yeah. sort of private life I have with between me out on action, probably. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Have you met yeah. Action? Huh? Have you ever met Action in Bronson? Yeah, let's just get into the show. Okay, right, we're mate. getting into the show. It's about, bye. Cool, man. Bye. Don't ever oh, bring up that. Don't start don't, don't bring up that, haven't no because I chilled with him backstage for yeah, about I did. well I spoke to him probably this in total one. for about three minutes this is a podcast and it's called chatting shit boy Alright, so what are we doing here today then? Okay, so today we're doing nothing more than riffing, zigging, zagging, rapping, sucking, fucking, touching, rapping, jazz, freestyling. We're slipping, we're sliding. Yeah. We're sliding down poles, come on. We're knee sliding into raves. We're knee sliding into raves, we've got a bed with a fireman's pole that takes us straight down to our living room. Yeah. 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 Or, yeah, or into my shed. Yeah, and I've got a slide that goes straight into my bath. I am Alan Sink and Mustafa, and that is... 
Hugo Francis William Chegwin. And we're here just to chat shit, really, innit? Anyway, who we got today, man? Oh, well, all jokes aside, this guest is a very special guest because not only is this person our first guest from America, yep. but he's a legend in his field, yeah? He's fucking iconic. He's a master in his craft, yeah? He's been relevant from day one. And I want to say, when I say legend, it's not like, oh, mate, you're a legend, mate. You're like, a fucking yeah. ledge, mate, can't yeah, you? Yeah. He's not a fucking ledge and he's not quality, yeah? He's an inspiration for both of us growing up. And he's worked with some of the biggest names in hip hop and made a name for himself as... What, before we say who it is, who's he worked with? Do you know what? Fling a rapper out and I'll tell you if he's worked with him. Has he worked with Mob Deep? Big time. Has he worked with Snoop? Yes. Has he worked with Nas? He's worked with Nas. Has he worked he with he like New Cats, like uh, Conway? 100%. Has he worked with Action Bronson? 100 million percent. Is there anyone who's sick that he hasn't worked with? Nah. That Probably not. I wouldn't bother listening to people that haven't worked with him. Nah. Uh, nah. Sorry. Has he worked with Eminem? Yeah. Fucking hell. This guy's serious. Exactly. Do you know why? Because this boy is one of the sickest producers in the world. The man behind the drum machine. It's the uh, 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 Alchemist. Alchemist. <laughs> yes. Great minds. Peace, great minds. What's hey. going on, man? Hey, what's up, brothers? You what good? You I'm chilling, man. I'm over here trying to figure out all this technology we got here. No, yeah. We're technical guys now, man. This it's is real right. technical, man. We, you know, this is real. Yeah. The- Have you been doing many Zoom calls since the lockdown? I did a couple, like, just with my family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. You want a little family quiz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some <laughs> arguments. Some good family arguments going. Nice. Yeah, and nice. That's what it's about, And shut it down because it gets too hot. Yeah, I hear that. What time is it out there? Stop. It's not time what? to drink wine yet, but I'm about to pop a bottle because I see you drinking some bullshit. Yeah. Come on. You can't leave me out. <laughs> Beats, what you got over there? Let's get pet nat thing from Puglia. What do you know about that? Come on. I had something on ice too, man. I might have to go get something, man. You yeah, yeah, nice. got a stun on you me. Got it, man. I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> Welcome. Make sure you take your shoes off at the door. Because I've just got the cleaner in. And she costs 20 quid an hour. And time is money. And money is mine. Right, yeah, thanks for joining us, bro. I proper appreciate you taking your time out on that, man. Yeah, thank you, man. You kidding me? Come on, man. You guys are legends. You know what thank I'm saying, bro. Definitely not. What are you blazing on there? Some garbage, man. Yeah. It's not even that good, I'm going to be honest with you. This one is not... The lockdown, lockdown holding shit back. Like, it looks better than it smokes. Right, it right. Good. Yeah, yeah, little Christmas trees, you know. What are the um, what are the dispensaries? Are there any different during lockdown? I mean, the, the dispensaries are expensive, bro, honestly. I haven't been yeah. in a shop since it went legal. Because all my bros... Really? Say, well, all my friends grow weed, so, you know. Yeah, of course. So oh, yeah, out there, it's more about having good links rather than... Just going to the shop tonight. The black market got hot again, allegedly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the black market went up because of the prices got so crazy in the shops. It's like, what the hell yeah. is going on over here? You know what I mean? Have the prices dropped since it's like fucking everywhere there now? For the garbage, like the middle range bullshit, like the parent yeah. feed, yeah. 
very cheap. But then they made this new uh, market of like exotics designed. Yeah. Oh yeah, even the that's pack- what we call Cali here. Yeah. They say designer weed with a hashtag. Bomba clap. That's right. That's right. We've got the same thing. We've we've got um like the shit we used to smoke was like like cheese, amnesia, lemon. That used to be the good stuff. But now it's become that's that's like the middle of the road shit. And yeah. same with you guys with the designer stuff. We've got they call it flavors. Yeah. Yeah, or Cali. They call it Cali. This is biscotti. You know, this is a plug right here. This is Connected Mm. Weed. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Connected. Yeah, shout them out. They probably send me some free weed now. So yeah, sick. Nice. Free weed's great. Pick them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big up up the Connected lot. Big up Connected. Yeah. All tight. You know me. You know. You know me. I'm a big smoker, isn't it? Big CBD smoker. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not having on the CBD scene, I am. It's awkward oh. to see you without a spliff, man. I don't know. I'm CBD gang as well, man. The uh, you bullshit too. You know what? When I smoke it, I get anxious. But if I eat it, I don't. Like if I have edibles. We had that strain. That strain CBD was around in the '90s. You know that, right? It was called bad weed. <laughs> it was just called bad weed. Like, oh, you got that stress number? Now they call it CBD. <laughs> but the vibe I feel like in the UK was always like. Like we were talking about this before, it's always kind of mm. nervous. Smoking has always yeah. been like a, it's not free yeah. like it is. Even before no. it was legal on the West Coast, it always felt yeah. like, ah, you're rolling up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it's not like that here at all, man. I mean, when we when we smoked, we did anyway, and we'd smoke, you know, like you would because you're just part of a little subculture. But, right. But the bigger picture was never like that, man. And, I don't, and still to this day, I don't think... Do you so. think it could ever get like that? Uh, I think so. I think with this generation, when we get older, yeah. then I feel it would be more like it's not mm-hmm. seen as like a, a, dr- a bad drug or anything like that. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, I heard they're not yeah. even testing the baseball players anymore in the States. Really? Standards probably going like, to do that with the NBA too eventually. Then I mean, you know how that goes. For weed, what's weed going to do? Weed's not going to fucking help them play better. Do you know what I mean? It's just like it's kind of crazy though that you could smoke anything and play sports on a competitive level. I mean, just any. <laughs> like I don't know if you remember Vlade Divac used to play for the Lakers back in the day. No, no, no he, no. he used to yeah. smoke cigarettes at halftime. <laughs> like he literally was smoking. Sick guy, oh, legend Vlade Divac. That's like old school football players. Yeah, like, yeah, next level, different. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In England, a lot of the old school football players would eat like massive stews, smoke <laughs> cigarettes, have a beer, and then play football. <laughs> yeah, fuck shit up. Yeah, yeah, bro, it's mad. So, so how's it been? Like, are you are you on your own out there? Then you're in LA, right? I'm just all on my own, on my own, just roving the earth, all by have my you- <laughs> <laughs> just a man on his own. <laughs> what's what's the saying, man? I see you got a big beard now. I'm just playing it off, like you know, all the like all the real popping people, like the rich, like Diddy, yeah. and like you know what I'm yeah. saying. We yeah. they all have like stylists, right? So I figured I would just play it off like I have a stylist. So it's like I, my stylist can't, isn't coming through. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm popping. You know, what like, I mean? like you can't touch your own beard. That's Absolutely. how successful you are. I don't know what. I don't even got a shaver in my house. I, I, I don't do that stuff. For my- I'm, I'm thinking about getting that tattooed shape up. You know about that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see people with that. Yeah, people go turkey to get that, innit? Yeah, it's like they literally tattoo 10,000 little dots on your fucking head. You have yeah, a line up. But if any hair grows in it, you have to shave your shit every morning. You're going to get oh, the line up? Yeah. Don't do it, bro. Are you, are you shaving your own head at home? No, no. I have a, have a guy. Never. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I'm getting yeah, there. Yeah. 
It's almost over. Look at me, man. Look at you with the bouffant. <laughs> <laughs> fucking guy. That yeah. 90s sort of uh, Seinfeld yeah. hair. It's yeah. A fucking, yeah, that's yeah, a head yeah. of hair over there. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. yeah, I know, man. Yeah, the little Iraqi cat. Do you know what? One time I went to a barber's and he went, he was like some Arabic dude. <laughs> He's like, your hair good. It's uh, like a camel fur. My barber says to me, Your hair is is shit, mate. I don't know what to do with it. It's <laughs> fucked. It's really hard to cut, man. It's like your hairline is fucked, man. What nationality is your barber? Turkish. What about you? My, mine's a. It's like a trendy spot I go to. And a Cypriot dude and an English dude as well. Shout out Cuts and Bruises. Shout out Pablo. Yeah, I think. Dominicans are the best barbers. Yeah, we don't, we have, don't, have, we don't have surgical. Dominican. Dominicans take it so serious. You oh always give surgical. Yeah, but d- d- if you go to a Dominican one though, yeah, and you've got a beard, you're coming out with some real techy fucking oh, moustache. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh yeah, scientific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, they don't play. When you have your own barber, you're really balling. Like I do remember. I can't say his name, but there was one famous rapper that I did work with back in the day who had his own barber. Yeah, nice. And uh, I think he was paying him 24 hours a day. Wow. Like he was on salary. So he would be kind of upset when the guy was sitting around and he used to be like, what are you doing, man? Shake my, shake me up again. Get over here. And his lineup literally sat on the tip of his lip because every time the barber had to do something, he just kept <laughs> He was sick that he was paying him. It looked like, like lip liner. It was literally like a pen. Like a yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you can figure it out if you know rappers. I can't really say who it was, but think about who got thin. <laughs> that blew my mind. Um, this is um, a very useful part of the show um, for when you um, need things to do. It's the recommendation part. Oh, yeah, so since you've been locked down, yeah. What have you what have you been watching or listening to or anything like that, man? Like or you've been working harder, like what like what you what you been up to? I've been going crazy with the beats lately just because I had yeah. time to sit up with nobody coming through. And I yeah. got so much shit. I've been like records and things that I had sitting around and I was like, I gotta get to this and now I'm finally getting to it. So I'm doing that. I watch a couple I ain't been watching too much. Like I watched a couple old movies. Yeah. I think it's the harder they fall, the harder they come. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Cliff from the seventies. A reggae movie. Oh, that movie's tough. Yeah, hard. So I was watching some old stuff because sometimes I'll watch old movies just to not even like for beats, but like to get some inspiration or vocal samples. Yeah, yeah I see you. Um, you sampled that film. It's like New York '90s. Cameron's in it. Fuck, what's it called? Paid in full. Paid in full. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I always, I always get weird. That 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 was Conway's idea, but like, you ever seen Eighty Blocks from Tiffany's? No, no, that's it. That shit is incredible, man. It was like yeah. a documentary from the late 70s about like what was going on with the gangs in the Bronx in New York and rap. Oh, like, shit. Look that shit up later. That's yeah, one of those things cool. that when I saw it, I didn't want it to end. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, it felt like I was there. Like anything before me, I love. I'm like one of those people. That's why some of the young kids, when they don't trip off the old stuff, I'm like, how? Because... We all come from the era where we didn't we didn't have YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Think about like Prince Paul and the RZA. Remember those beats back then? Like, yeah, sick. You used to have to have VHS tapes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then put sample it through the. That's that a lot of confusing cables. Major dedication. Yeah, it was a lot of hooking wires up and yeah. To have YouTube and have everything there 
is mind blowing to me. So I'm like, I'm always going back and looking at shit from when we were kids, like type up a commercial from 85. Yeah. That I remember when I was a kid, like, let me see if this McDonald's commercial is here. Oh shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that, man. That's interesting because um, you've kept yourself like, without, like, maybe not even intentionally because it's not like you're changing anything, like you're still keeping to what you do, but you've still been super relevant and uh, like your style has just crossed over through the years, but still, but you still got that throwback essence, you know what I mean? Like, which yep, is, uh, yep. I think it's quite tough to do, man. I got lucky just because I was in, you know, work hard, of course, but, you know, being with around the right group of people and not using my age or my experience like yeah. at something in, on my on the front of my shirt. I would put it on yeah, the back yeah. of my shirt. And a lot yeah. of these young guys, they get turned off by some of the older guys because especially if you had success in the other era, you're like, yo, trust me, listen to me. And it's like, yeah, yeah. When we were younger, we didn't want to hear that shit. So I always yeah, try to think about, I think about how a young guy would want to, you know, I'm still who I am and the age I am, but I was lucky yeah. to connect with like Schoolboy and Action and Earl and, yeah. you know, mm. Kendrick. And like, it gave me another wave after the I guess as a producer, that's that's important, isn't it? It's it's like who's sitting on your beats. Like, are they are they sort of are they more up with the times? And and, and I guess you guys can learn off each other, isn't it? Really, I learned a lot from you guys. And also, like, you kind of hear like stories maybe of back back in the day with bigger, older producers just kind of like jacking your stuff or you know being shysty and. Yeah, like, I don't think that can run as much more now because you don't need a studio. You just got a laptop. It's a lot easier to make shit now. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's, uh, you know, the possibilities are endless, but I hear a lot of good shit all the time. I like a lot of these young guys. Like, yeah, yeah. a lot of good shit out there, but I, I mean, you know, it's been a good time and I feel like uh, not not ever getting too gassed up. Like, uh, you know, I, I stay on the ground floor with the shit. And I can yeah. still go on tour with M and do that stuff. So I'm in that world. But when I do my music, I keep it to the, the shit that I truly like because I'm stubborn as mm. fuck. And I know you yeah. got the same way because I've seen you guys follow your ideas through. As we spoke, yeah. as we talked. It was like, you know how much mm -hmm. of a fan I am of your guys' shit. Like, I when, I, when I saw your guys' show, that changed everything. I was like, <laughs> I was stuck on that shit. It was so brilliant on so many levels. Like, of course, there was stuff related to music. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just the brilliance of how it pulled, came, all came together. And then talking to you guys in here and how you followed your ideas through, that's how we all are. We're stubborn. So we yeah, stick our shit and it's going to work when it's going to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. This guy, Sipa, takes it to another level of stubbornness <laughs> in a, <laughs> in a sick way because he cares. But Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. yeah. He really gets pissed off to a level yeah. where uh, he might shove something up his ass. When it comes to your art, you, you have to be stubborn, you know what I mean? But but I think yeah. it's a, no, it's, it's, like, it's, it's a testament to your character out at like, that because with us it's different, yeah? Like we're stubborn, but there's, there's there, you know, we've had a little bit of success, but it's, it's, it's different with you. Like you've worked with such massive people and you've been in such massive circles that it, could, it would be easy to not find that balance, do you know what I mean? And, and all go completely the other way and not pick your battles and just be just some sour, old, tired producer that's like, no, nah, I just want it to be the 90s. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, that always been a tricky part for me. That was trippy mm. kind of once I started working and doing stuff with M and it was like, you know, yeah. you're on like private jets moving around. And then the next week you might be flying regular doing something else with another artist. And you always had always it was always a trippy to me, like to be in both of these worlds and kind yeah. of kind of have a foot in both worlds. So it was always like a, 
a balancing act. You know what I mean? On how to how to do it. And then I also would look at some of my favorite people that I looked up to and, you know, looked at where they somewhere along the line may have did some moves that I didn't like. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Okay. I don't want to be like yeah. that or shit. Okay. I got to try to avoid that, you know, by looking at some of my heroes, if, if maybe they ever did like let me down or something or did something that I wouldn't have did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I, that's the same one because I, I, I often think that sometimes it's hard to think what you do want, but it's eat. But what I do know is what I don't fucking want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, I don't want to come you across. You always know that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, no. That. That no, yeah, 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 yeah. definitely no. But then, you know, like even when I work with people, because I'm stubborn as fuck. Like all the people who work with me will tell you, the artists, yeah. like I, I, a thing I'm looking for. You know what I'm saying? But when I do have, like, if somebody does something that I'm not feeling, I don't like to just say I don't like it. I always try to offer um, a solution. Yeah, even with good. music, if, if if I don't like your verse, I ain't just gonna say I don't like that verse. I'd be like, why don't you try it like this? Or what if yeah. you did like you were doing it before? Just saying I don't like it is just not good constructive criticism. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I guess there's a psychology behind it as well. Like you've got to know how to. It's same with us in the writers' room and stuff like that. And sometimes I forget that. <laughs> but but that the best way to put things across <laughs> <laughs> is to come up with a suggestion. You know what I mean? And and, and keep it moving, innit? Because that's what you all want. It's a, it's a collaboration, innit? At the end of the day. It's tough. I don't know how you guys do it because like it's all you guys together. And I, I can imagine at some point that there has to be some compromising of ideas. For me, oh, like I'm a one man band and that's kind of over the years. I ended up being more of that. Like not only just because I don't like working with people, because sometimes I want to follow my idea through and I don't want it to get lost in translation with an yeah, engineer right. or another producer or a rapper. It's like, all right, let me just. Yeah. But with you guys, it's like such a joint thing that how often is it where you were like you got to throw in that i have to sometimes when i do collaboration projects and it's a good learning process yeah got to work with other people you know what i'm saying but how often with you guys is it like ah shit all right fuck it i'm three it's three to fuck one or whatever. <laughs> 10 times a day bro 10 times a day right? yeah. just, you guys vote like how does that work <laughs> <laughs> you have to pick your battle i think like yeah. and we all kind of have a similar vision which is good it's like shared and we trust in each other's judgment like but sometimes you have to like if there's like the wrong music to something or something small or the wrong outfit then you have to just pick the battle and like can decoy, just, can decoy just step up and pull a card and be like nah this ain't happening this ain't <laughs> can nah, he's super chill and be like nope because it's same in real life bro he's yeah. <laughs> I, love I love everybody on the show he's a genie man characters uh, I really appreciate it. It's still yeah. uh, fucking insane for us that, that, you know what I mean, that someone like you would even have seen the show. Nah, but I, I say this to you every time. Yeah, man. It's true. This is about you, but just um, <laughs> just because it just popped into my head, I never ask you, but how the, how the fuck did you even find the show? Like, because like, it's interesting that you, um, that you know so much about UK culture. And stuff. I feel like I saw it because it was starting to get aired on Vice. Yeah. Because we yeah. had our show on there. So I was late. Mm-hmm. But my boy, shout out to my man Budgie. Oh uh, yeah, Budgie. Um, yeah, that's my Sick brother. Producer. We a lot of music together. Yeah. And uh, once I did get hip to it, I was a little late, and he was like, "Oh, you don't know about that?" He already knew because he was from the UK. He's tight with with Beat Butcher, who's a uh, yeah. Yeah. friend of all of Good ours. Friend of us. So yeah, they were like, "Oh, you don't know," and I felt like I was late on something. Then I went back <laughs> and I watched everything, and then there was like two weeks where they were coming over here, like, "Yo, that, that was all I was doing." Like when I get into something, I'm like, I have to see all of it. I gotta. I saw the. Yeah, I'm like that. I yeah, saw the making yeah. of it. 
I saw you mm-hmm. guys rhyming back in the day. I started <laughs> everything, motherfucker. I was like, that's what made me respect you guys even more. Because it was like, wow. That's mad. You know what I'm saying? The whole thing, it was just, it was amazing. But yeah, it was it was like through Vice and then through Budgie and Beat Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah, mad. Hey guys, it's it's Ron. Um, I've just come back from a retreat where I was meditating to one of the deities called Baba Ganoush. Um, I had a great time, and I hope y'all want to listen to this podcast. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Anyway, back to you. So let's try and get to the beginning of the story. Yeah, before you were the alchemist that everyone knows, how did it all start? I mean, like you know, like first CD, like that. What, how did you even get into hip hop? You know what I mean? That like, was your household, a musical household. Yeah, like my parents liked good music, like the records I remember, like. I think my pops used to like like Sergio Mendez or like ABBA. Mm-hmm. It was certain weird records that I remember as a kid of uh, uh, Nat King Cole. My pops, he had like a weird mixture of music that he liked. But um, the first rap experience, I think it was pretty much like breakdancing back yeah. to the early 80s. That was like when I first remember seeing or hearing of it. My first record, I think, was the show, Dougie Fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it had, it had Lottie Dottie on one side and the show on the other. I just had a little turntable, like, not to scratch. And I remember that was, like, the first 12-inch I ever got. It was like, wow, one song's on the other yeah. side. Yeah. Oh, this is crazy. You know what I mean? And um, that was my first introduction to rap. I mean, I grew up in Beverly Hills. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm a white, yeah, yeah, kid. Yeah. Different culture. And I always trip out because I, I feel like when I look back and I look at the history of hip-hop, and you can see that it really came from a black culture, and it really wasn't a lot of white or any other. There was some Spanish, yeah. like, white wasn't a part of the of the of the music and and sure, yeah. i feel like m- my generation and me being who, where i was from and how rap raised me from the minute i heard it to what i made my life out of it was like one of the first examples of how big it was going to become do you know what i mean the music yeah, yeah. Like i remember seeing the beastie boys and prior to yeah. that feeling not really feeling like i could ever really rap but when i yeah. saw the beastie boys i remember thinking damn they're with run dmc wow like they and they're yeah. cool. Like they're not getting dissed. They're, yeah, you know they kind of like me a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It made me at least think that it was a chance I could do it. Like, okay, I oh, get yeah. maybe because yeah. prior to that, it wasn't even a chance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was. It was so. It's such a different world. It's like I can't. I'm not even allowed to step Unreasonable. into it. Like a voyeur. Totally. Yeah. Different. Yeah. I enjoyed it, but it was like once I saw that, it was like wow. And it was you could see where rap was going because I grew up in Beverly Hills, so it was reaching us. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's th- that was the potential of this music, how big it could get. And this was in the 80s. Early 80s, late 80s. Early, late 80s, 80s yeah. mid to late 80s, then came into the 90s. And mm-hmm. uh, that's when we started, you know, rapping and doing our own music. I was DJing. Did you start producing when you were rapping? Like when you got sort of taken on by Muggs and Cypress Hill? <clears throat> Prior to, us, to me meeting Muggs and Cypress Hill, I was front. It was like a kind of a little network around LA of kids who it was a couple yeah. of clubs that happened every Thursday night. I don't know if you remember David Faustino. You remember Bud Bunny? No. That show Married with Children? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The character Bud yeah. Bunny. Remember the little kid? Yeah. Little Pete? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His real name was David Faustino. Oh, and okay. Kind of through a hip hop club every Thursday night at LA uh, on Sunset at this club that we all used to go yeah. to. And that's where, yeah. like, I met Will, Will, his name was Will 1X at the time. It became Will I Am. Oh, oh shit. shit. Evidence from dilated people. Wow. DJ AM, Seth from Crazy Town, that group that became Crazy Town. We like a whole network of West Side kids. We all would hang out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um and were, you, and were you rapping at the time or DJ? Yeah, I was rapping. 
we're all rapping. All of us rhyming, dancing. We used to go to the club. I was like yeah, yeah, yeah. 14 years old. And it was like a cool world of kids in the west side of L.A. that were all like doing the music a little bit. Evidence, yeah. who was my boy, he lived in Venice. He lived next door to QD3. Oh, yeah. I heard his interview on um, Talib. Is it Talib Kweli? Yeah, Talib Kweli. QD3 is, so the old don't know, is Quincy Jones' son, one of his children. Yeah. And he was producing yeah. at the time. He had long dreadlocks, like down mm -hmm. to his feet. And he lived in Venice Beach next to my man Evidence, coincidentally. He introduced uh, me and my man Scott, who was James Conn's son, who became my rap partner, was a, a school friend of mine. Yeah. And um, we made a demo with, with Quincy at the time. And that's how we got our record deal. Fucking hell. Like, we oh, actually were working with Quincy first. Then we met Cypress Hill and their management. And they did an ill move, and it was like, kind of took us away from Quincy. And as a kid, I didn't understand it. I thought, it was a weird move. It was, I got, I got my first taste of music industry bullshit. Because they kind of yeah, yeah. us against Quincy, and we signed with Cypress Hill at 15 years old. And it was like, in retrospect, I realized they, wow. they took us away from him. But back then, I used to, yeah. We don't like Quincy, you know, like I didn't get it. That's my man. Yeah. But that was like my first experience in the industry. Yeah. And then I got with Cypress. They signed us. How, how did that even happen though? Just being on the circuit and and it was it quite a small circuit, so people would kind of know each other and yeah. Was Based on that that party ballistics and a couple different things, um wow. we were all making a little bit of music and there really was no outlet, it was no internet, so we were kind of you know, making 12 inches, to be honest, and putting them out through that. It's 15 years old. Like, and yeah. those sort of moves at 15 is pretty... Yeah, pretty we were just following, like, what we wanted to do. And at the time, we it wasn't a plan to be a business. It was just like, this is what's mm. up. You want to get props. Yeah. yeah, you want to get Boy. girls, whatever reason you do yeah. it. It's like for real basic reasons. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I still govern my life off basic reasons. <laughs> That's a great way to, you know, to stay, you know, if you can, you know. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's how it kind of started. And then um, then once I got my deal, the first thing I did was get a drum machine because I always liked beats. So I was like, oh, Sick. maybe. I what did you get? Well, hold on. So you got a rap deal for you rapping. And then you thought, with this money, I'm going to get a drum machine. Yep. We did it at 15. I got a wow. deal with Tommy Boy. It was like, I think for 50 grand. Fucking hell. Me and Scott. Wow. You must have felt like a millionaire. 15. In it. Yeah. I would bring the money home to my pops and he couldn't believe it. He was always talking wow. about stupid, but he respected money. You know, like he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. You can do this. That's... Yeah. Cause we were, <laughs> I was 15. So, you know, then we went on tour with Cypress once we got signed and I was in my second year of high school and I had to leave school and get a tutor in order to convince my parents to go on the Soul Assassins tour in 1993. <laughs> <laughs> Cypress Hill and Funk Dubious I had to leave for like two a month and a half and miss school this is my sophomore year in high school so the yeah. record label said don't worry we have this tutor we're going to hire this tutor for him and Scott and they're going to do schooling every day so that the label got me this tutor I'll never forget his name was Langston <laughs> he showed up he came on the bus he said man just keep me high this whole trip you guys ain't got to do no homework <laughs> we were like Sick. That's he just rolled with us and we smoked weed for fucking a month and a half <laughs> from your perspective it's like it's the tutor from his perspective he's obviously a young guy and he's like I'm going on tour with Cypress Hill Straight up. I'm going to yeah. I'm gonna I don't want to have... fucking get any books out I'm... <laughs> we did zero work I came home and I got pushed back yeah. they wanted to push me back the whole year and I ended wow. up going to new school that's how I yeah. linked up with evidence because he was at the other school and then oh, we went to high school together. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Funny, yeah. So so that first drum machine you got, 
Yeah. You just started fucking about on there. And did you have anyone that was kind of uh, guiding you or showing you how? Rest in peace, DJ AM, which is a brother of mine. He actually made beats before I did. And I was a DJ before he was. We kind of traded skills. And he had the ETS 16 Plus, which was the the early version of the ASR 10, which is what RZA used to use and a lot of people used to use. So he showed me the, the, the kind of just the basics on the EPS, which was, and then I learned the ASR. And once I got, cause it's like a keyboard. It doesn't look like a drum machine. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember DJ Lethal from House of Pain took me to Guitar Center. And he was like, when I was 15 and got the money, I wanted to get a drum machine. Everybody was using SP 1200s, mugs, yeah. Ralph M, Lethal, every, all my big homies. He took me to yeah. the store and goes, get this. It just came out. And it was a keyboard. I'm like, I don't play keys. He goes, nah. <laughs> It's a sampler. He's like, it's, it's a fucking heavy as well. That keyboard. Oh man, I used to have to take it to the studio and fucking stand outside with that shit. Pulled <laughs> over, like he made me get it. But I always thanked him for it because it gave me a kind of a different sound. And um, yeah. that's when I started. Once I the, the hooligans, our group didn't really work out. I was already down mm-hmm. with Cypress, and then Mug saw that I was making beats at the time. They started mm-hmm. working on the Cypress Three album at the time. And he was like, yo, come hang out with me. And, you know, I knew how to use the ASR good. He was with the SP. So we just started making beats together. And that was my first experience wow. of, like, working with That's somebody. That's fucking, he's a, he's a legend as well, man. Like, yeah. to make your yeah. first beats for someone like that must be fucking yeah. amazing. He was always my big homie. So, so it was, uh, their first album was Black Sunday. Then it was Temples of Boom, right? I think, is that right? Black Sunday was their second album. Oh, okay. So Temples of Boom was my first introduction to Cypress Hill. That was yeah, my... Cypress Hill 3. I had style on tape, tape, and then I had Temples of Boom. So, like, I was obsessed with that sound. That, like, you know, the dark, you know, upright bass. Like, you know, that kind of sound was all I was into for, for my first sort of taste of hip-hop. Yeah, Mugs, legend. Yeah, bro, He's a legend, man. So your first go at producing was through someone like that, kind of teaching you the ropes. I was doing beats for Evidence's group, Dilated Peoples at the time, because we were going to high school together. But it was like not, it was like on an underground level. But my first, like working with a big producer and with rappers who were known, was working with Mugs on Cypress Three. And there's like a lot of beats on that album, Temples of Boom, where I did yeah. a lot of the production on the on the. Wow, on the, like lot, nobody really knows that. You know what I mean? The inner circle knows it because I was the young guy yeah. coming up. Mugs was my yeah, big yeah, homie. Yeah. I'm sleeping on his couch. He lives in Nichols Canyon in Hollywood. It's crazy crib. Yeah. And he's giving me envelopes of money every week, taking me to Benihana's for lunch. Every day I would leave wow. school and go to his crib and stay overnight. Wow. This is when I was in high school. So th- I was just living the life. I didn't give a shit. So I'm making beats with him. He never wanted me to do the drums because he didn't trust the <laughs> drum game yet. He was like, so I would start a beat and then he would finish it and do his drums. And okay. there's a couple beats on the album that are that. But when the album came out, I didn't have any credit on it. You know, and I was like, some of my friends that I grew up with knew I was working with them and was like, damn, what's up? And You know, but I knew at the time I wasn't ready yet. You know what I yeah. mean? Because I was still learning and developing yeah. my mug sound. And then the, the cool part was when they would play the album for like at the listening sessions for like the media or a bunch of people and all the homies from Cyprus were there, like the ones who were in the studio with us, like the real ones. Yeah. When those songs yeah. would come on, they'd come and bump me and go, yeah, we know you. Yeah. Don't worry, don't worry. So they, <laughs> it would give me like courage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, right ones know what's up. And Muggs is still my big brother to this day. Like, he's the type of big brother that, you know how a big brother would be like, they won't always put you on. 
They want you to earn it. Once you do earn it, they tell everyone that's my little yeah, brother. Yeah, you have to earn your stripes. Exactly. That's how our wow. relationship always been, and I love them for that. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah. Right about now, you are locked into the legendary Chat and Shit Podcast, lad. With Alan Seep and Mustafa. You go, Shagwin. And a nice little special guest. All right, so after the Cypress Hill era, um, yeah, where did it go from there, basically? Uh, we toured, the album never came out, it just didn't happen. I started working with Muggs. Actually, sorry to interrupt. What was the story you told me about um, you'd come to England uh, back in the day, didn't you? And and you went on, or you knew about Pirate Radio, or you went on Pirate Radio. Oh, I did. I did. I was signed to a label called Positiva in 94. Was that was that around this time then? This was right around this time, exactly the same time. And uh, we, when we were signed to Tommy Boy, they did a, a label, a partner deal with a, a label in the UK called Positiva, which was more like a dance label. Yeah, I've heard of that. And they did like a, I'll never forget. It was called the Tim Simonon Bomb the Bass Remix. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Who the fuck is Tim Simonon? He was like a dance producer <laughs> at the time. And they made this weird Tim Simonon Bomb the Bass. It was like a bad remix. And they, we were so young, we didn't get yeah. it. So we went out there to promote our album. Yeah. And they took us to do radio. Yeah. It was a guy's name, Barry, man. I wish I knew his contact now because he has old footage of us. Yeah. But he was kind of like a tour manager guy. Barry something. He's probably still in the tour business. But he took us to do pirate radio, wow, and yeah. that's the trip because I couldn't believe it. It was we literally went to somebody's yard and had to wait outside, real sketchy. Then they got the call. We went up in. It was in his kitchen. You know what I'm saying? They were they looking out the window. I was like, "This is the dopest shit ever." Yeah. And then, so obviously, once I saw the show, that also made me, you know, like just because experiencing that culture yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that's the thing. I, I, I think that's what shocked me the most when we met. You, you said that you understand, you know about the pirate radio culture. In fact, you you'd been. Uh, it just shows you how important pirate radio was for our music scene. 
the fact that someone from America came over and they used that as part of the promo run, which is mad. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't even think they were doing a lot of rap. No. It was kind of no, weird. No, no. They were just trying to figure out how to push us any way they yeah. could. They had their... <laughs> I was like, yeah, we could take him to do pirate radio. It was like, all right, send them over yeah, there. We'll, we'll just speed the tempo up. They'll love it. Yeah. I, wish, I wish I would pay money to hear, to hear it. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I would literally pay anything, but yeah. In the middle of someone's jungle set. Right, we've got these American gangsters in. Here we go. <laughs> Were you sharing one mic as well? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Definitely sharing one mic. It was in the kitchen. But yeah, my flow was like kind of like Grand Poobah mixed with MC Light. So I probably could have... Nice. It was like it was real animated and rhythmic. <laughs> I probably could have pulled it off. Yeah, <laughs> of what you seem like as well. Like, like, real, like real earthy, dark beats. <laughs> And then some animated rapper. I'm going to send you some songs. You won't believe it. Amazing. Please do, yeah. We got Rob, too. Rob, yeah? We got Rob going to get weed. Oh, yeah, that's classic. Yeah, the nice. was to get weed, and we went and got robbed, and we had skateboards with us. Yeah. And we tried to chase the skateboard. The dude took our money, went in the building, and was gone. We were mad as fuck. Yeah, it's classic, man. Yep. Yeah. When you travel trying to buy weed, you always just go into the dark side yeah. straight away. Yeah. I remember being in Morocco with a guy in my hotel room, and he wouldn't leave. And he was there for like three hours. Like, no, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, like, bad. I, don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I actually, it was one time in in Dublin, I think it was Ireland. Because, you know, I've traveled a lot and there's pretty much you get weed anywhere, you know, yeah. but you have to know people. Yeah. But at a particular time, I think I got a reference from someone who just basically told me to go to some bar mm. and sit in the back of a bar and wait for some guy to sit next to me. And I was so hard to get some weed. I literally went by myself to some like shoddy, as they were calling it, part of town. They were like, "You sure?" Even the cab driver was like, "You sure you want to go over here, mate?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." And I sat in the corner in some bar, and some guy came and sat next to me, and it was literally like out of a movie. Like that's when I reconsidered my my, my weed smoking habit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Too far. Is it's it going worth it? <laughs> Do you know what? I had the same thing, you know. In um, so my mum's from Prague, yeah, and like I speak Czech, but when you're talking to shotters, like you've got to be using the right slang and stuff. It's not just being able to speak that language. You know what I mean? Like if you don't know them. So so like I remember before it was legalized there, there was a there was the same sort of thing. There's a bar that you can go to, and you can get bud. So I was like, all right. So like I went there. It's snowing and shit. So I'm like tracing through the snow, catting out for a zoo. Like got there and I was like, uh, in Czech, but like polite Czech because I've learned Czech from my mum, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the, guy the, bar, the same way you talk to an older person, you know what I mean? I'm like, uh, yeah. can, can I get some, can I get some like, uh, cannabis, like weed, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. And then I was like, maybe I've got the wrong place. I left, I called my cousin and he's like, bro, just you, you just got to ask for one. Like out there, the translation is if you got one, like as in you got a gram, you know what I mean, sort of thing. So I went back and I, and I said, have you got one in check? And he went, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I went, listen, in English. I said, like, listen, I'm, 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 I live in England. I don't know how to speak Czech properly. I'm not a policeman. I just need some fucking weed. And he was like, all right, there's an Algerian guy standing by the toilet. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, the prayer's got a big stack. Boom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Al, anyway, so after the Cypress Hill stage, then, yeah, then how did yeah. it continue? After Cypress, started working with Mugs, 
And um, I'm, I was going to school. I went to New York. I was, you know, graduated high school. I had already did rap when I was in high school. But now I'm kind of just doing beats. You know what I mean? And like, also, sorry to interrupt, but Muggs' style was, was like proper New York, wasn't it, compared to a lot of the L.A. shit happening at the time? Yeah, well, Muggs is from Queens originally. Oh, okay. He does have history in Queens. Like a lot of the style of early Cypress. Yeah. Like if you look at early Cypress, like when B-Row had the Timberlands and the Fisherman hat. And like yeah. the army jacket, yeah, sick. that was a lot of bugs yeah. bringing it from New York. Okay, this is pre Tumblr, pre internet. You could everybody's songs came from where they were yeah. from. If you want yeah. New York shit, you had to go to New York, record the radio of Premier or Marley playing a mix and bring it back, or get a mixtape and go. I brought this from New yeah. York, so he was doing a lot of that with Cypress mm-hmm. bringing like their flavor. Makes sense. So yeah, yeah, Mugs always had that East Coast influence, and, and him and RZA for me that like sounded. Similar a lot of the time. I don't know if that was a thing or... They were renegades with it, and they introduced that Southern soul sound. I see, okay. Mm -hmm. Like the Memphis soul. Later on, like um, the Jay-Z era, when they would do like the Blueprint and like stuff I was doing with P and a couple other producers, we all started messing with the soul samples. RZA and Muggs were like the first, you know? Even RZA might say inspired by Muggs. yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I think they were both inspired by each other. And uh, they had a style that was like, what I learned from Muggs, because I was always really a good beat maker, but I learned from Muggs how to step back and make a record. Mm, yeah. Really like producing a song mm. versus yeah. just making it. Yeah. I learned that from being around Muggs. And um, once I moved to New York, I was doing beats. I had the name Alchemist now, you know, Dilated Peoples had gotten a deal. Where did the name come from as well? It was a friend of mine I, that I, I was down with who passed away now who used to rhyme. And he had a crew called Alchemist Pimp or something. He had like some name, my man Bernard, rest in peace. And he just was like, yo, your name's Al. You should just run with yeah. it. And he kind of just, it sounded good. And I didn't really have any, prior to that, I was Mudfoot, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so you went from Mudfoot to Alchemist. I did. And um, I had moved to New York to go to school. I was going to NYU and mm-hmm. Muggs. I think he had just did the Soul Assassin's first album. Mm-hmm. Remember he some solo albums, the compilations. Yeah. He had, he had a Mob Deep song on the first one. Oh. Yeah. He had linked up with them. And when I moved to New York, me being his little homie, uh, he was like, yo, I met these guys, Infamous Mob. They're down with Mob Deep. They're like Mob Deep's younger crew. You should link. You got to link up. Yeah. Well, like Twin and all those sort of guys. Godfather, Nitty, and Twin. And God. And they, I linked up with them first. And we made some music. We did uh, what became Thug Music on uh, Murder Music Album. We did that Sick. song. We did that at D&D in Premier's room, actually. Yeah. Wow. And uh, it was a song, Muggs put us together and was like, I want you guys to do a song for my next Soul Assassin album. We made Thug Music for Muggs. Fuck. But it's, wow. it came out so crazy that they called up P on the phone and played it for him. I'll never forget. I wasn't really too tight. I didn't really know Mob yet. Yeah. And they, P was like, nah, we need that. So then I, I asked Muggs as a favor and he looked out and was like, go ahead. You know what I'm saying? Because I was going to get on Mob Deep's album. Yeah. And he, you know, he let me take the song and then P got on it. And that was like my introduction to working with Mob Deep. Wow. So wow. really Diddy and Twin and Godfather brought me over there. Like, yo, you got to mess with this kid. I was in New York. I was going to New York, NYU. I was selling weed. And it was an easy way for me to like not have to get a job and still do beats. Yeah. I smoked a lot of weed and paid for it. So a lot of people knew me for that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like even certain guys I met the first time, met Snoop the first time like that. Yeah. And even though I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But people wanted to have you around 
even without the music because you were the good weed link, basically. You were the link. That helped. Yeah. Definitely helped. <laughs> and and um, so they basically said, yo, Al's out here. And I was kind of just dolo working. Yeah. So they said, yo, we should mess with him. They brought me around Mob Deep because they were in the middle of working on Murder Music album. And um, I'll never forget because, like, I would go to the studio. They would be having P. We had the studio called Soundtrack mm -hmm. on 21st Street, Lockdown. And uh, Twin and Needy would be like, yo, come over today. They're going to be there. I'd go there and Havoc would just be there, but no P. And I had this one dat play all these beats. And he would he was like, I like this one. It was the realest. Yeah. The next day I come back, Havoc wasn't there, but P is there. And then I'd be like, play him the same dat? Yo, I like this beat. They both kept liking the same beat. Nice. I'm like, oh, yeah, funny, because your man liked that, too. Yeah. It's like, all right, whatever, whatever. So nothing happened. A week yeah. later, he called me and was like, yo, you got that beat? Remember that beat? He's like, yeah, come to the studio. We're going to use that. So I packed up the ASR-10, put it in the fucking case. <laughs> I, I, ran the studio. I didn't call my manager. I just packed my shit up and dipped and went to the studio, walked in the room, and there's Cool G Rap sitting on the couch. Whoa. They didn't Fuck. tell me nothing. Yeah. I just walked in and saw him on the couch, and I was like, peace. Yo. And then right when I walked in, he was like, Yo, we want to do that joint for with all of us. I was, he, he goes, you got it? I go, yeah, tell the engineer. Plug me up. Immediately started tracking the beat. You know what I'm saying? Put it in the computer. G-Rap started writing first. That's why he finished his rhyme really quick and was like, I'm going to go in. He went in and said that verse, and everybody was like, oh, my God. It was like. I got to experience that and was like, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? Because Yeah, this is what I need to do this forever. And and it was like, in retrospect, had I called my manager or told, yo, I got to see what's up first. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just yeah. went. I didn't care about none of that. I was like, cool G rap and Mob Deep are about to rap on this beat. Yeah. It's on. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's how that started, you know, the relationship. Your life is built up with mad moments like that. Like, did, did you never, ever feel like, I've asked other people this before, but these are people that, I mean, I'm assuming you looked up to at the time and shit. And, and being like a white boy from Beverly Hills from a completely other side of America, like, was there no, uh, like, this is sick, but it's a bit intense and I don't know. Did you, did you never feel like nervous or under pressure even? You know what I mean, uh, I think. I was always so driven and into knowing that I had to prove myself. Maybe that's what made me go even harder, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Underneath, yeah. like, because I don't want to have to speak. I always felt like I just wanted to be able to press play on shit. Yeah, yeah. During the career, I got to meet guys like Kanye and Swiss who really sell their shit. Yeah. They come in the room, they get up, they stop everything, they turn it up, they stand on the fucking table and they stare at yeah. you in your eyes, bro. <laughs> and they make you pop your yeah. head. I never yeah. saw prior to yeah. that. I used to put my, I just wanted to press play and turn around. I didn't, I didn't know how to sell my shit, but I yeah. always felt like I got a chance. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to work with a producer like that. He used to like pitch a massive story before he would fucking press play. And some of the beats were terrible. They were like a metronome. And, but the artist would be like, this is fucking amazing. I want to hire him. Yeah. yeah so I was like, how the fuck is he doing that? Get him to talk about my beats before I play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> clip of a guy who hurt his beat. Check him out. And he'd also buy them like food, drinks, get them a bit vibed up. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's confidence. It sells it. It helps. But I, I yeah. remember like, maybe just yeah. thinking about what you were saying and just have maybe there was like some insecurity deep where it made me realize I got to I got to be ill. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Your beats have got to sell themselves a little bit more than someone that is from the hood and, and is their friend kind of thing because you are this outside entity kind of thing, I guess. So, like, 
if you work harder on those beats, that kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, I felt like that was going to be my way to get my props because it was it was just all about where I was from or what it was like. That wasn't going to work, you know. Even when I was yeah. a kid, like growing up in LA, like we would never want to tell anyone we were from Beverly Hills. You'd be like, "Well, you're from West Side. We're at Westwood. What part of West?" <laughs> <laughs> so like. And then anytime I chance I got, I used to dip out. I used to skateboard when I was young. Right. So I used to dip out and go to Venice Beach and hang out with Evidence, who lives in mm-hmm. Venice. Yeah. Just yeah. be gone and try to get away. You know, that's why my name was Mudfoot. I wanted to be like a dirty. Yeah, yeah. Like I was trying to compensate. Grimy. Uh, yeah, I'm grimy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Working with Havoc, he's like one of the best rap producers ever. Mm-hmm. Like that must, I would be shitting myself. That was a big deal to me, and I never took it light that he even like was able to let me around mm-hmm. and make beats because yeah. it wasn't like yeah. it was anything was broke. They didn't need anything. They actually yeah. let me add on it was already insane. Yeah. So it was like, and then you know, watching him work, he used to just make the beat, get it going, and pick up a pen and start writing so fast wow. and record. And his paper when he writes. It looks like the most beautiful calligraphy. Mm. Like his penmanship oh, wow. is, you even look at the way he writes and you'll be like, yeah, he's different. He's different. You know what I mean? He, he's like really a craftsman. So being around that, it helped me even to be confident to rap. Cause I, like prior to working with Mob, I stopped rapping. Mm. Man, I would write rhymes every now and then, but I knew production was how I was going to make my name. Yeah. Yeah. So rapping was my yeah. first love, but it was like production is how I can really kill it. So my group that, not be rapping anymore and then choose to rap for the first time again with Mob Deep. It took time until they even knew that I was rapping at all because like when I was coming up producing, there were a handful of producers who were really dope, but they rapped also. Mm-hmm. And they were used to be like a thing where I used to hear certain rappers going, yeah, I want to get a beat from so-and-so, but damn, he's going to put a verse on it. He's going to want to rap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I never I never wanted to be that guy. Yeah. Kanye finessed it. Yeah. Sure, he had to be on records in the beginning. And then later on, people were begging him yeah. to be on the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. did it in an ultimate level. But I always used to look at it like, damn, I want to be respected as a producer. So as a rapper, it was like for fun. You know what I mean? And then later on, once I was yeah. friends and got into the camp of Mob Deep, then I let him hear little things. So he'd be like, oh, you right? Yeah. You can rap. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Write rhymes for him sometimes. Even. Yeah. Of course, I was around them, so I was absorbing so much of the juice. Like, yeah. Yeah. I hear it now. Sometimes I can't even listen to it because mm-hmm. I'm trying to sound like I'm from Queensbridge. <laughs> <laughs> Mob deep and all that. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I do feel like that is a that is a producer thing, though. Like when when like when Dre jumps on the track, like. You kind of you're inspired by what you're around at the time, you know what I mean? And, and that's normal, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? They asked me one time, like how I met Mob Deep, and I said they discovered me. I was in a basement. <laughs> I was. You ever see Breaking or Beach Street when they're upstairs having a party? They're like, what's that noise in the basement? They go down to the basement, and there's this crazy white guy just playing playing drums with. A, I said that was me. They found me. I was homeless in Queensbridge, <laughs> and they took me in and raised me. <laughs> I'm, I met uh, Mob Deep once, actually. Really? Yeah, I was in New York, and they played at um, Central Park at this festival, and I think Hudson Mohawk brought them out, and fucking, I was like a 15-year-old girl. I was going, fuck it. I didn't even know they were there. It was sick. They bodied it. And then I got a picture afterwards, proper fangirling out. Yeah. It was amazing. Man. A lot of people don't 
know because of P's reputation and how he was and his shit was so gangster. He was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, we laughed yeah. most of the day. We were clowning yeah. most of the time, but his music was so gangster and just his presentation wasn't that. People don't know that. Yeah. There was one show we did, 2000, ah, what was it? Maybe five or six. And it was at the Forum in London. Do you know that venue? Yeah, yeah. Legendary show that we did, man. And they broke the barricades and the fans came on the stage. <laughs> like the, the 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 security just gave up. Yeah. And they said, yeah. fuck it. They couldn't hold them anymore. It was a legendary yeah, show. I have some footage that's, of it. That's it. But London, London and UK always gave it up crazy for my Oh, man. Yeah, man. Like, it's definitely a massive staple for people that listen to it for up here. Like, Mob Deep is Yeah, always, because it's kind like, of, it's quite dark and it's like, yeah. it kind of relates to London jungle kind of grime. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, flavor. like, I love that, like, dirty, grimy sound. And, like, Mob Deep gave that. And obviously, like, the infamous album that like, people were raised on that. But... Even the generations after that that were that were kind of you know like the sort of um, fifty cent generation, like they Kidding always me. knew about Mob Deep as well. You know what I mean, like it was yeah. It was it's very, funny like, that like the Hell on Earth album specifically, and I've spoken to people in France before. They say that that album at the time was so influential in France hip hop yeah. that there's a lot of rap from that era that is like straight like tribute, bro. like it spawned the whole sound of French hip hop. Because if you listen to that album. Hell on Earth, it's really, the beats are real dark. And it kind of, if you think of the way yeah. the vibe is, Paris, yeah. it, it, it kind of connected it on a different level. Uh, that makes so much sense because I love that album. And I love French hip-hop as well. And so when I started Googling French hip-hop instrumentals, and there were bare instrumentals with that eerie sound. Exactly. That sound, I know they embraced that shit. And like, even speaking of 50, when we heard 50 and and you know, before we got down with yeah. him, it always felt like it was a similar style to Mob Deep, I guess, because he came from Queens. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, he was rhyming with Nas. He was working with Trackmasters. And some of his sound yeah. and his style, to me, was inspired by by Mob. Mm -hmm. Then once he blew up, he added in a couple elements that Mob Deep didn't use, like the melodic thing. But it was a lot yeah. on from what Mob Deep was doing with their sound. Yeah. And I feel like when we got down with 50 and then we did the Mob Deep album with the G-Unit, I always felt when I look back that we kind of leaned on that sound instead of just sticking to the Mob Deep sound. Right. Yeah. It was a lot of G-Unit sounding stuff. And it was kind of like, for lack of a better way to describe it, like like incest almost. Mm. Like we're, we already, we, we helped inspire this sound that became bigger. Now we're trying to use that. Now we're going to have sex with that. <laughs> Mathematically, it's just we're yeah. gonna have inbred kids. Yeah. It wasn't gonna work. Yeah, yes. massive ears or a weird forehead. <laughs> right after that, I remember sitting up with P, because P's a survivor, and he was like, he didn't like how the response was of, of the G Unit album, and he felt yeah. like, yo, we got to show Fifty, man. Now we got to heat the streets up, and that's when we decided to do the Return of the Mac project. Right. Sick. That was that was like P trying to get. You Nah, hold on. You know what I mean? 50 let us put it out just how we put it out and, you know, it started that whole wave. Because if you remember back, that video P did uh, was called Mac 10 Handle mm -hmm. when he was, like, in the room tripping out. That, I, that was one of the first, like, viral videos. It was like YouTube was just get big yeah. and it, it was like, it was a moment, so. I remember that, you know. I remember feeling like um, when Mob Deep signed to G-Unit, I felt that sound was like Mob Deep doing a G-Unit town kind of thing. And I was still into it, but that's how I felt. And then it felt like Prodigy came into its own, like, 
you know what I mean? Like, and it felt like a cover kind of uh, stage in his chapter, you know what I mean? And you got to think how much history they already made prior to this. Oh, yeah. They already have Hell on Earth under their belt, Infamous album, Murder Music, Infamy. Like, they had done Mur America's Nightmare. Like, they had did so much already, it's like... It's like they're another, like a pack or a bitty, you know what I mean? Like, if they both passed away after their third album, they still done so fucking much and smashed it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, they're legends. And I got lucky to get down with them, and so, but, you know, then time moves quick, so that's why I was... At some point, I had to realize that I got to keep going, even for people like them, like P. Like, I think about what I do nowadays with the way yeah. Griselda, and I'm like, I know I'm keeping P happy, too, because he used to always yeah. tell me that, like, Yo, make sure you keep this hardcore sound, yeah. dude, spread your sound. Like, I remember when I did the beats for Nas. Yeah, yeah. That was at the time a Godson album. That's when him and P kind of weren't on good terms. P and him and P weren't on good terms at the time. And I had to ask P. I had, Nas asked me to do some beats for him. And I asked P, he, Nas said, come out to Orlando. He was working in Orlando at the time on the album. Mm -hmm. And I asked P, like, for his blessing. Like, yo, you know, like, basically saying, I fuck with you to the point, if you don't want me to do this, I won't do it. Mm -hmm. And he was like, go out there, man, kill it. Give him some fire, man. Spread the sound around. Because he felt like he was never that tight. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't on he, it. He wasn't like, a, he was selfless in some ways. Sure. And he knew how we rocked. So he, he looked at it like, if I did something on that album, he was still... Like, we all represented together. You know what I mean? That's nice, man. You did tracks off the Lost Tapes as well, right? Yeah. No Ideas Original in my way. Wow. In my way, man. Okay, now. That's it. And Nas, is, Nas is something else. Like, I remember the day I met him. It was in Havoc's basement. Like, Havoc used to have a crib in Long Island. He had this, like, crib. We used to call it the Mob Mini Mansion. <laughs> just a little crib in Long Island. You know what I mean? You, you just say things like this so lightly. I'm, when I met Nas in Havoc's basement, <laughs> but think about it. Could it have been a better introduction? Yeah. Like, he didn't know who I was at the time. I actually had just gone to Havoc's crib to work on some beats with him because he had a studio in his basement. He lived in Long Island. It was daytime, and I'm down there hooking up a beat. And who walks down the stairs into the room? Nas. Wow. Hav didn't tell me Nas was coming over or nothing. He just walked in. beat, And he was like, yo, this is it. What's this? And Hav's like, nah, something we working on. He's like, I, I could get on this. Wow. He was like, yeah, let's go. He picked up a pen and started writing immediately. And that beat was TikTok. You know the song? Wow, fucking up. That's the first time I met Knox. And it was so crazy. <laughs> he ended up getting on it later. But it was just like, how better introduction? He thought I was, I don't know what he thought. Yeah, yeah I'd have to ask yeah. him. I think he thought I was one of Hav's mans from Queensbridge or yeah. something. Yeah. He probably thought I was a Spanish kid yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like that. Oh, if he's white, he's got to be like the most crazy one of the project. Yeah. Who's that Cuban guy in... Uh... He was good. Years, I thought I was Puerto Rican. I really yeah. took a while for me to realize. <laughs> you know what? In those moments where, where Nas comes down, and I mean, it just sounds so weird me even saying it, but yeah, like Nas comes down the stairs and goes, who made this beat? I'm going to need to jump on it. You just like have to hold, you have to hold back in it. Just like, like it's completely normal. Yeah, t exactly. I was just going with the flow. You're going, yes! <laughs> yeah. Get right. like, let's go, oh shit. Yeah, how you play your play things off also is what keeps you in the game too. Like I always prided yeah. myself on being a good people person. I know some creative people who are amazing. They're fucking weird. They're socially yeah. awkward. <laughs> One way or the yeah. other in ruined situations. Yeah. I wanted to know how to yeah. play my cards. You, you cool. want to be someone uh, that people want to be around as well, and they don't feel like they're being annoyed, and they don't feel like um, it doesn't even need to be a connection. You just you just need to be someone that people don't not want to have around. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you got to understand, I was the little, I was little Al my whole life. I was the little homie with mugs. I used to have to play my part and shut the hell up. Yeah. I yeah. knew how to sit back and listen. 
You know what I'm saying? And so I was raised by OGs where I knew how to, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Not be like um, when Nas starts writing, like pressing space bar and going, shall I call my manager now? Or what's, what's the setup here? So what are we doing here? Yeah, yeah. You call your manager, you call yours and I'll call mine and then we'll make it. Yeah. I don't know. We're ruining things though. Publishing splits here. We, th- we think yeah. Nas. We're doing three ways. <laughs> there is a sample in this. All right. It has to come off the top. Can we all make a verbal agreement? I know, I know you like this beat, but the sampling's going to be fucking loads on this. So much funny. Now that I know more about business, because at that time I was young, following my dreams, I should sample anything and make any beat. Yeah. And at the time, money yeah. was plentiful. So when I would land a beat, I would give the labels a sample clearance and they would clear it. And I never cared because I was getting my little advance. Yeah. I never cared, yeah, paid yeah. attention to publishing. Now when I look at my statements, I see how much I gave away. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we get someone to replay it? <laughs> I was dumb as hell, but you know what? I'm thankful because it wasn't about make, getting rich. I have my discography now. All those beats are still mine. Do you think like that now when you're making tracks? It depends who I'm working for. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if you're working with a, any like an artist like a Kendrick Lamar or somebody like that, I'm going to be mindful of what it is. Yeah. Like yeah. I got to talk about it before I send it because if he likes this beat, I got to make sure I know what the sample mm-hmm. is. And it's yeah. something that's not outlandish. Yeah. Other artists lower on the radar. Sometimes you don't have to worry as much. You, you figure yeah. it out later. But for the love, I don't like to let it affect how I make music, though. Yeah, yeah. I ain't over here. Yeah, like I, you know I was just contributing to to fucking overthinking about being creative, and that's never a good thing, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've worked on projects where uh, before where they've been like, we need to take the sample out or it's not going to go on the album because the artist isn't happy that X amount of publishing is going somewhere else. Oh, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm there right I can't replay it. <laughs> Replays are a tricky thing. The last Earl album, uh, Feet of Clay. Oh, that was yeah, sick. Big up, I was a massive fan. joint I did called him Tomb. And it, it was a replay. Yeah. Where somebody replayed it and they killed it. And I'm weird about replays. I don't like replays because I feel like you're chasing a high yeah. that you'll never yeah. get again. Yeah. We're not going to make yeah. it as good as the original. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. To me, if you're going to do a replay, you do it before it gets wrapped on, before a rapper ever hears yeah. it. Yeah. You know, once they hear the original, going backwards to a replay is like smoking CBD. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> do you have a CBD sponsor? I'm sick if you do. <laughs> I'm logging off. Yeah, yeah. I like smoking it on when we're doing live shows and people think we're actually blazing. Yeah. But we're not. Let me ask you this, because this is a thing in LA and like with certain people. What's your take on microdosing like mushrooms or acid? I've done mu- mushroom microdosing before, but I've... placebo or no? Uh, I don't know, man. I think when, it probably does affect me. When I done it, I did like a small amount, and then I had alcohol, and I was in a club in LA, and fucking me, <laughs> me goes with there, yeah, and. I lost my balance and I fell on the floor with my hands and knees and I looked up and I could just, the Migos were looking at me and I got up and I was like, I need to go, man. I'm fucked. (laughs) What the hell happened? You just hit the floor? Yeah. No, I just lost my, I felt like everyone. Let me see this visual. You were on all floors. (laughs) Yeah. Look up. There's takeoff. <laughs> yeah, he's looking at me. And I'm like, oh. the person I was with, I was like, oh, we've got to go. I've got to go now. So, okay, so after the, after the Mob Deep shit, uh, you're, you're now living in New York. Uh, you've got a New York town. That's, that's how I know you've 
for you know that that's how I think most people know you for that uh, like is it eerie first infantry yeah 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 mob deep mob deep producer um, where does it go from there. Then I started because I worked with the mob. I so I got all those other gigs like you know Nas and started working with Ghostface and Ray, Fat Jeets, Errol Monch, CNN. I started getting branching out, doing a lot. Then I decided to do my own album, First Infantry. Yeah, hard. And it, it's a sick album, man. Yeah, and now it was like my first you know opportunity to do a record, and um, you know I was touring with Mob Deep as their DJ at the time. So uh, yeah, it was like a great time just being able to move around with them. I have a lot of footage of it, and. Um, Sick. Yeah, that I got. Will the world ever see? Absolutely. Eventually, they're gonna do the mob deep. I have a little documentary I want to put together, just dedicated to P, because a lot of the footage is, like, from my perspective, it's not really really yeah. in it. I, of course, a lot of music still too that we have that nobody ever heard. So when the time's right, you know, hopefully, yeah, it's gonna happen. Yeah. But I was moving around with them a lot, so I got to do a lot of that, and then I got to move with them when they moved from loud into jive and from or you know free agents mixtape and then we went to jive and then you know off jive now what are we gonna do and then i remember that day when we were sitting there me and p like damn had just gotten off of jive which is when we did got it twisted after that we got off the label and we didn't know what to do and at the time i was just djing for them doing beats and i remember sitting there with p like what are we gonna do next and within like a week's time, 50 hit hit them up and decided to sign them. And then Paul Rosenberg hit me, who's already was like my brother and my manager. Right. And was like, yeah. you want to DJ for him? Paul was a lawyer at the time. He also was managing Eminem. And they had just gotten his deal. Wow. So he had just gotten, like they were just shopping. When I met him, it was just starting to happen. He had already moved to New York from Detroit. Yeah. I met him and he became my lawyer. Dilated Peoples. Paul was my lawyer for wow. those. He negotiated those contracts. And I remember distinctly, he had Eminem, and I, I got to meet him at the time. We were cool, and I got to see him kaboom. Like, I'll never forget when I knew the album was coming. I knew they hooked up a Dre Interscope, but once that shit hit MTV, that how my name yeah. is, it was over. I remember Paul calling me, telling me, I don't think I could be your lawyer anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's getting crazy. We got to go full-time with the management yeah. company and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I switched to as my lawyer and always stayed cool with Paul. Okay. So yeah, all yeah, over yeah, the yeah. years, I got to watch M's and Paul. Paul was like my friend at the time, and he would consult and help me, but it was like, oh, we stayed down with him. My brother moved to New York. He started working at Shady. Uh-huh. So we all were real cool. Oh, wow. So generally, my older brother, who's a year older, started working at Shady, and he was the one who told Paul when the situation happened years later with Green Lantern, who was M's DJ, I forgot what happened, something happened. And they needed a new DJ. And my brother, who was working for Paul, was like, why don't we get out? Because I didn't have plans to be M's DJ, but obviously my brother thought it would be a good idea and brought it up to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hell yeah. yeah. Because at that time, M, I already knew M. We did Get Back for Tony Touch's okay. album, Peacemaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was already cool with Paul. So that's how I got down to be M's DJ. Because my brother was there. Paul was there. And then, then my brother started managing me through Paul. So eventually Paul became my manager. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I got in with M. We started this whole run of me being with M, and that that took me around the world twice. And I've seen shit and been so lucky to be around. That must be like a different experience to the Mob Deep to Eminem. Like, although they're both superstars in their own right. I remember me and P sitting there on the couch in my crib, thinking, "What are we gonna do next?" A week later, Fifty happens. Paul puts me on the BM DJ, and then about a month later from that, we were on tour together. Because it was the Family Values tour, which had 50 Cent, Eminem, Little John, and Mob was with 50. Yeah. So a month later, 
here we are on tour and I'm only seeing them every now and then at the show before the show. I'm with M moving. I got to move how they move. Uh, They're moving with 50. So I would just see my brothers every now and then. Like backstage for two minutes because they got to go over here. I got to go on stage. But we were still family, but it was crazy because they had, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was funny. You know, we had already accomplished a lot already together. But this was seemed like it was a big step into a different world. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was cool. That's amazing. And and still to this day, I mean, that's brought you up to this day, right? Like you're you're still DJing with M. Yes. Yes. And uh, that's taken me to so many amazing places. And like that opportunity gave me so many more opportunities. It's like it's hard to pinpoint it. Like, for example, we went to Argentina three years ago. We did a show out there. Whenever we go on tour with M, he always goes for like a week and we have time off before the show is kick it. So every time you know me, I'm a record maniac. And if I'm traveling the world, I'm finding the record stores. I'm going, now I got days off. Yeah. So I went heavy in Argentina. Yeah, I went crazy in Argentina and I hit up a bunch of stores and I just found some music that I had never heard. Like just some crazy. I knew Brazilian music, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the Argentina was insane. Came home. And I looped one of these beats one day. My man Hip Hop from Rockefeller was a good friend of mine. I was at the crib and I looped one of them. And I said, this would be good for Jay Electronica. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had his number at the time. I texted him the beat. And he was like, this is it. <laughs> and I looked at the text <laughs> almost four years ago, three and a half years ago, when I sent the beat. Wow. And that beat ended up landing on Jay Electronica's album featuring Jay Z. Oh, yeah, amazing. What was that? The new one. Oh, bro, that's fucking hard, bro. Yeah. It's crazy how that happened, you know. So working on tour with M, traveling to Argentina, and then it was also another record I found, which ended up as the beat I did for Eminem's album, which was Music to Be Murdered By, which was the first time I got to do beat for M yeah. on his album. Yeah. Also from my hunt in Argentina. So I'm just like, it's crazy how things work, you know. You just stay diligent and you take advantage of your opportunities. And- that, I feel like that's how everything's worked for you, right? Well, I mean, for anyone, but but that's how it's still worked for you is, is is make moves, working as hard as you can, and then from those moves, you know, other people recognize that. I guess I always tell people, like you know, they talk about like the ten thousand hours and you got to put your work mm-hmm. in, right? And I tell all mm-hmm. producers, like, yes, you got to put a hundred thousand hours in. Make sure you practice your craft, but there's gonna be like a moment at some point where something's going to happen yeah. and you can't foresee that moment. Mm-hmm. Those 10,000 hours are going to prepare you for that one mm-hmm. unpredictable moment. And that's when everything's going to crack and you can't prepare for that. I mean, you can't predict that moment, yeah. but th- yeah. those moments are the ones, yeah. man. You, it's like noticing no, when you see that burning bush, like, oh, it's on. I feel like you don't force that moment yeah. as well. You can't. But there are a lot of people that do try to force these. But that goes back to the people things. we're talking about that, that people meet and then don't want around them. You know, like desperate. Yeah. You know, that desperate edge is, is very unattractive, especially in a creative environment, I guess. Desperation yeah. is yeah. a bad smell. Yeah. <laughs> That's just stinky. Yeah, definitely. You know how that smells when you hear it or in the music, you're like, damn, desperado. Like, it's easy, easy. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember the first time I saw you working with M was when M was doing the freestyle on a Tim Westwood thing. Yeah, that was a good opportunity because they were just like, I was a DJ at the time and they were like, you got a beat. And I just pulled up a beat. Yeah. And we did yeah, it. Kind it. Of today. And actually, that's what I felt like was another stage of Alchemist. You know, like, I remember being young and you had. um you had this video on YouTube and it was like you waking up in your apartment beating the toothpaste. That. Yeah. yeah, and and you had loads of Air Force Ones and I remember thinking, fuck, I need more Air Force Ones. <laughs> and the ASR-10 and I was like, oh, 
I need you that got shit. The trainers, man. You had the Reeboks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had the workout in the class. That's proper British. That was an early documentary I made where I was kind of just like making shit at the crib and filming, just trying to be creative. You know, when your first album, like, yeah. you're like ultra creative. You're just like, I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah. Shoot that. Like, you know, nowadays I... I get, I do stuff, but I look at that like I was a lot of fun. It was sick though, man. It was inspiring. Yeah. There's an older one from like 99 where I'm in the crib. Is that out? Making beats. It's on YouTube somewhere. It used to be passed around and it's like, it's pretty funny because you can see how high I am. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> talking about weed cookies and like taking bong hits and making. Oh, you, do you put it in a blender? I think I go in the refrigerator. I do something. I have a record and I'm covering my face like, hey, hey this is me. And I start making the beat. Yeah, it's bad. Don't look it up. <laughs> I remember seeing those videos. Around you guys, because I used to spit, yeah, but like I wouldn't know much about loads of different producers and stuff. And it was going around Hugo's house, who who was just always on his MPC and that, and he was just always watching documentaries about beat makers, and and you was always up, and that's where I learned about you. Some of those, even you guys had who was doing all those beats back then? You guys were rhyming on. Well, Hugo, made they were man, yeah. Hugo made loads of. Them. Um, you guys listening to back then? What what rap were you guys listening to when you were making rap? Like I was massively into like like I was a fr- like I'm obviously a lot younger than that generation, but I was a throwback and like I was massively into like Big Pun, Miguel, Raekwon, Ghostface, like Wu Tang in general, Mob Deep, uh, Killer Army. You know, like I got at one stage I was fully on like almost almost imagining the upper five percenter. And I got on the man killer army and I used to spit like that as well. Yeah, you changed your name to Black Lungs yeah, for a bit. Black Lungs of his head. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I heard there was a, a, like a like a era of UK rap where it got really overly lyrical of hip hop. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and you know what? I think they were they were trying to emulate or I say they, I mean I was kind of trying to be part of that. They were trying to emulate what was cool in the nineties in America, but actually that's not cool anymore. You know, like just like, or just chilling with loads of guys with like massive jackets on it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, like when rappers come out, not even UK, every all rappers like mm, they really want to yeah. prove themselves, so they're hitting every fucking syllable and they're giving it. Oh, yeah, they're like yeah. rhyming to prove their life, and later on they start slowing down and leaving space. That's me, man. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the more confident rappers can leave more space. Yeah, because. When you're thinking shit, and, and actually, uh, I was speaking to another rapper about this. It's it's easy. It's actually easier to go faster because you're just hitting the pockets. Do you know what I mean? You're just being technical, but slowing it down is just about the swag and your confidence and, and putting what you want to say across. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It seems like the, the technical shit is harder to do, but I think it might be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, do, do you know what? That, that brings me on to where we're at now, though, because yeah. So when I was spitting. I was like, yeah, I want this 90s shit to come back. And this was before Action and that came out and or, or before I'd heard of him and stuff. Then suddenly you had like Joey Badass, Action Bronson. And I was like, you guys had it. Like, what the fuck? You should have kept it. <laughs> I felt like there was like a revival of like, not necessarily like super miracles, but like just really sick rappers. It was sick beats that, that weren't, you know what I mean? Trap beats, I guess. You know what I mean? It felt like when we were coming there in the early stages of Christian's career, we came to the UK that they really embraced his shit. Like yeah. in, in the US at the time, he was popping, but he wasn't commercial. Mm. Like he wasn't mm. on the radio and all, but it felt like when we came to the UK, they treated him like all the other commercial artists. Like they put him up there. Like yeah. We always felt that way yeah. about the fans in the UK with his shit. Like, I don't know. It seemed like maybe it was just because the industry wasn't invading as much. It just yeah. felt like they it was how it should be. 
you know what? A... I think that's down to his personality as well, because he's he's a he's a superstar, and I feel now, like uh, is larger than life. And if anything, <laughs> sometimes that's a problem for us because we got to make music that's bigger than him. I don't know if we've done that yet. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't made a song that's as big as his celebrity. You know what I mean? There was an era of Bronson when he was kind of pushing a bit more like radio driven Chance the Rapper features. And it, it was sick. Like, I, I really loved that album. But I like him on, like, um, Blood on My BMW. I think the whole big label thing turned him off. Yeah. You know, when I met him, he was raw artist. You know, he had just gotten to the rap game. He had no, knew nothing about it. And then it was like, once he got had to encounter some of those experiences that I knew about already from the music industry of, like, we got to go do this for this DJ in this city. Now nah, we got to just show up to his party. He's not paying us. We got to perform, but he's going to play your song. Or we got to go yeah. to radio interview with some guy who clearly doesn't fuck with us, but let's go there and play. The bullshit. He yeah. wasn't with it. He's too real. I could tell it was going to be really tough. Yeah. At the risk of sounding cliche, that, that like, you know, like he is real. And I think that's coming through. That and really he's like so that. amazing. He's one of my favorite rappers. He's like all around, personality, everything. He's incredible. But it's like, it's tough once he encountered that industry yeah. shit. So I think he felt like, Ah, I'm not going to do this, but I'm bigger than this. Yeah, yeah. So that's what he created. He created a world that was bigger than that, so he didn't have to do it. He made a television show. He made yeah. books. Yeah. He created a show mm -hmm. that all of us got in the mix. He brought me along where it was like, shit, when I'm out in the street now, nobody who recognizes me knows me from Alchemist, the producer. They go, oh, you're the guy that doesn't like food. <laughs> you're on that show. You're the guy that don't like stuff. Yeah. But I was just being me because I'm just that way anyways. So then it was like, Oh, uh, okay. It helped for the show because you got these three monsters who like every fucking thing on the planet. They don't say no to nothing. So you needed a fucking guy. Like it was like it works out because yeah. I'm genuinely yeah. that I'm picky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you see my ties for a reason. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So it, it ended up working. And I was like, all right, this is cool. And I, I love action for that because he created a lane for all of us that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right Al. Brother, thank you so much. Listen, your journey's been amazing, but we have to ask you the most important question, the question we ask all our guests. Are you our new best mate? C clearly. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> clearly. <laughs> all right, brother. Thank you very much, man. See you all soon, man. This is the outro. See you later. And good luck. Stay lucky, boy. Stay lucky, boy. Well, there you go. End on a high, as they always say, innit? You go. They do, yeah. Always yeah. be high at the end of something. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That was the mighty, mighty alchemist. Um, the chemist. I learned a lot there. Yeah, the Alan the chemist, as he likes yeah. to call himself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see how it works now. Yeah, exactly. From one Alan to another sort of shit. Yeah, one chemist to another. And that's you, yeah. yeah. Hugo's, for people that don't know, Hugo is always a very passionate chemist growing up. I am, yeah. I like my um, uh, chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of something of chemical related. Yeah. My mind's blank. Yeah. Because we just had um, such a good time just chatting to Alchemist. Uh, pretending we just come off the back of that Alchemist podcast. But yeah, yeah. man. Uh, that's like bucket list shit for us, man. So big up Alchemist for coming on. Yeah. Uh, and thanks for everyone for tuning in, man. This is the last episode in the series. Um, yeah. Even though we refer to you as shit munchers, we love you all. Yeah. 
thank you for nowhere without you wasting hours of your life yeah so i really appreciate your time yeah i can't believe uh, you listen mad listen merry christmas happy new year if we don't see you till then yeah yeah and we back in 2021 we will series two hopefully in a different uh, in real life, yeah, in real life, yeah, filmed, filmed, yeah, maybe yes. we start filming shit, yeah, definitely. Film, let us know, yeah, um, shout them on the YouTube. That sent questions in that we couldn't answer, uh, couldn't get through them all, but yeah, big up you lot, man. Um, yeah, we'll try and get through them on other ones and that. Uh, keep sending your questions in, and see you in twenty twenty one. Yeah, have a good one. Yeah, nice. Bit see more. Fanny's in a bit. Do you want to put a bit more, bit more into that one? Have a good one. I feel that's good. No, no, go hard. Go hard. Have a good one. (laughs) All right, save you lot. Big ups. Hey, yo! Will everyone shut the fuck up? I want to give a crazy, stupid, dope fly shout out to everyone involved in this podcast. Nah, fuck that. Who's the brain that produces this show, man? Man like Rupert Magending. And who's the audio editor? James Torrance. Check it. house. Who's the video editor? Ha-ha, James Lord. And who does all the uh, illustrations? It's Alice and the Ink. Mad on the visuals, bruh. Shout out all the posse down at ACAS Laboratory. Hip-hop, hip-hop. Am I right, hustler? You're not wrong, Playboy Valentino. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.